Let's hear it for New Cross. These streets will make you feel brand new. These lights will inspire you. Welcome to Stuff on the Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. This is Steve Walsh. Hello. And uh, an exciting announcement, Steve. Don't really affect anyone that listens to the show, but I'm moving out of New Cross. He's, Steve's nodding. They can't. <laughs> People can't hear the nodding. It's a podcast, isn't it? No. So this week we will be talking about New Cross, the uh, area that uh, we're recording, the home of the show yeah. up to this point, arguably. Straight out of New Cross. That's what that they was... say about the show, isn't it? Well, episode one, we referenced it heavy, didn't we? Sort of, you know, talk about how. South London we were and our location not that we're moving out in South London you know. no no only going to Camberwell I was around my friend uh, Laura's this week and she was telling her friend Victoria about the show Laura's a big fan listens regularly has been mentioned before subscriber on iTunes probably, probably left comments on there as well just to, she has left comments she's, a five star rating she's um, left uh, pictures of flags on our uh, website she's you know a uh, big contributor but she was telling Victoria about uh, the show and Victoria said, oh, I think I've seen uh, your website. It's brilliant. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, that's lovely. So what's it called? I went, Southland Hardcore. She went, I think that's the... So she checked it out on Laura's computer. And it wasn't us that she'd seen. Uh, she was like, oh, right. No, this isn't what I was thinking of. And I said... Transpontine? Yeah, Transpontine. Yeah, I said, was it Transpontine? She went, yeah. I went, yeah, it is brilliant. <laughs> and I think it's only fair, before we do this show, to preface a lot of what I say tonight has been sourced heavily from... Uh, Transpontine, because the guy is uh, massively new cross. It's, it's interesting having a look. If you go onto the um, the website, and I recommend you do it, it's wonderful. It's about South London generally, but along the side, obviously, it's got the, the tags, and it'll be sort of Camberwell, maybe seven tags, Woolworth, 24 tags, um, music, 57 tags, new cross, something like 620 tags. So I tried to sort of go through them as best I can, and I'm sure I've, I've missed things. But, yeah, it's a great resource. I wonder what the most popular tags on our site would be. Probably nothing, Steve. You never put tags on things, <laughs> you know, that you post. <laughs> is that a hint to... Uh, is this a production meeting? Put some tags, man. Embed videos bigger. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, almost a moment of glory where uh, Victoria had heard of us independently and enjoyed us, but she hadn't. But she seemed uh, quite pleased when she actually looked at our website. So, you know. When I first moved out of my parents' house in uh, 2008, me and Lakeisha were looking around and we started, you know, we were obviously going to live in South London and we started very ambitiously, started at Borough and just quickly realised that was not affordable. <laughs> and then we uh, moved down the road to um, the Wharf Road, you know, the kind of new builds there, by, yeah. um, where Quickfit used to be, or it might still be there, I don't know. Quickly realised we couldn't afford to live there either. And we ended up looking in New Cross. And so you're just moving further and further south as you went along. Exactly. But I'm not prepared to move any further than Zone 2. I imagine I'll, I'll live my whole life in uh, South London Zone 2. Penge is ready for you. I've talked to the people and they're happy. Yeah, the first place I lived was... It was Nunhead. But like it was... Bait. It was, you know... We were looking to move to New Cross. It was more or less New Cross. And now we've lived... We lived up the hill in Telegraph Hill. Now we live down the hill in Telegraph Hill. We'll cover Telegraph Hill next week. Uh... It's so big, it's getting another episode. Yeah. 
um, you know, debates about what you call areas, estate agent talk, etc. But the thing I like a lot about New Cross is the, I like New Cross for socio-demographic reasons. I mean, we'll get into this, you know, as the show goes on, but kind of the, you've got this kind of situation where it's kind of a real kind of ethnic and class mix. You know, the kind of Telegraph Hill was quite middle class, a lot of it, not all of it. I mean, the people who live upstairs to me are kind of uh, <laughs> working class scum. I think he's got an ankle tag, the guy. But like where you've got... Um, they could just be chunky socks. You just made a lot into some chunky Maybe dogs. he's put his shin pads on for... Uh, <laughs> to get the trophy. Premature celebrations. <laughs> Where you've got, like, Goldsmiths University and, you know, generally an art scene as well, you kind of get uh, this kind of hipsters walking around, yeah. you know, just kind of, you know, dec- general decent people as well with a creative interest. Yeah. I mean, you know, on my road, you've got, like... Uh, there was someone put a, a, what presumably was a self-portrait up in their window facing the street. Um, a place where you'd get, you know, where there were house parties going on like once a week. Uh, you know, like, it's just kind of, when you get these kind of festivals that go on here as well, you know, there's like a kind of real art scene and maybe not so much a music scene, but certainly you can go and see live music. No, it's a huge music scene. Well, we'll come to that, yeah, Steve, won't yeah. we? But, you know, it's just kind of, uh, you go to Sainsbury's and it's... Uh, you're walking through Sainsbury's bumping into graduates. And I never went to university, so I'm not suggesting these people are any better than anyone else. But you know what I mean? Just the creative types, should I say. Growing up, I had... Uh, I've come to New Cross quite regularly. Never lived through any friends around here. But um, me and my mates around the mid-90s um, would go to the venue uh, quite regularly. Yeah, it was a huge, uh, huge place then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was... Um, and it was genuinely very good. I mean, I may have told this story on the show before, I'm not, I'm not too sure, but um, at one point I do remember being with my friend in Camborough Green, seeing a poster up um, for the venue to see a band called Oasis that we never heard of. And I turned to my friend and went, what a stupid name for a band. They must be terrible. And in a way, hmm. they were. But there was a time when I loved Oasis. And the chance yeah, I went to Nebworth and the chance to see them. You went to Nebworth, Steve? I went to Nebworth, yeah. I got... I was uh, front row. I um, had my fingers trod on by uh, Lee Ruff and Prodigy. That's how close I was. Wicked. Yeah, I was falling over and put my hand on the stage and um, smacked my bitch off. Trod on my fingers. Yeah, it was a complete fluke. Me and my friends got there early. We just wandered around the site and we walked up to where the stage was. And as we went up there, they gave us these um, like blue wristbands. And we already had our wristbands to get in. And we were like, "Oh, we got wristbands." They went, "Oh, you know, this is for the front." Oh, golden uh, circle type situation. Yeah, it's, re- it's restricted to like uh, 500 people. And we're like, okay, so we have to stay here now? And they're like, no, no, you can wander around and you can come up here anytime you want. And we're like, okay, thanks. So we got to just like wander around and then when the show started, go straight up to the front. It was ridiculous. Wicked. Also meant it was a bit of a scene when, uh, a bit of a scene, I should rephrase that. It's a bit of a moment when Ocean Colour Scene came on and uh, I hate... And hated ocean colour scenes. So Why I just, can't you just embrace it, man? Lining awesome. your pockets for no other reason. Yeah, that's the reason. That I don't, oh, because... come on, man. So I, I just... I, I, I loved Moses Shoals as a teenager. Yeah, I never did. Death. Never did. I liked a lot of terrible music. I'm not defending myself at that point, but... The Fall. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I just I just sat down. I was knackered and I was so bored. And, I, and everyone thought I had heat stroke. And they were like, um, are you okay? And I was like, no, this is terrible. 
This is uh, some of the worst music I've ever been for. But you can't go anywhere, can you? Where am I going to go? It's got to wait for uh, Match Street Pictures to come wait up. It, it was a very, very good show altogether, to be fair. Um, but yeah, um, and the venue at this point had the luminaries of Britpop um, turn up. Mm. Also, and I'm kind of kicking myself, although I would have been 16 and probably... I was a, a small child and I'm a small man, so I probably wouldn't have been able to blag my way into the venue at 16. But um, in 91, Hole played with Mud Honey supporting. Yeah, I saw that. It's on YouTube. Nirvana. Not Mud Honey. Regrettably, Mud Honey's stuff is not, you know. Just I would, stuff. You know, touch but me, I'm sick at the venue. I'd watch that. Nirvana were in the audience. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, there's a chance you could have gone there. Well, been this is the thing our friend Glenn claimed, and... our friend Glenn claims to have seen uh, I can't remember if he said the Pixies or Nirvana but he said one of them at the venue yeah. but I've done the research but they neither of them played there so I don't know what <laughs> if maybe Glenn meant Mud Honey or maybe he saw the Pixies at like Mean Fiddler or something but Glenn spent most of the uh, early 90s on mushrooms and with a bowl haircut didn't he so who knows what he saw he had a loose plait <laughs> Couple of that, and neither of those things are true. Glenn's always had wonderful hair. And he did have taken... a loose plait, man. He had long hair to his, to his waist. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. He didn't take hallucinogens. I want that on the record. Not related to New Cross, but just as I was looking up where the Pixies had played, just to see if Glenn was making an accurate statement. <laughs> they played the uh, Crystal Palace Bowl once. Oh, right. And they also played... I saw them at Brixton, but they played Brixton in the uh, back then as well. So you managed to verify that at some point, the Pixies played a show. Yeah. So Glenn could have actually seen them live, but... Your parents met there, Steve, as at, people well know. At the Harp Club, yeah. My dad proposed to my mum outside the cab office next to the venue. Always yeah. been a sweetheart, hasn't he? Just it's beautiful. My brother, my brother, my brother-in-law uh, met my sister there. The venue um, now is, uh, well, I don't know about now, but certainly the last decade it seemed to be prominent for um, tribute bands. Yeah. It? You know, um, they King, realize they Kings get... of Leon C. <laughs> so, I think the venue realised they could get in 90% of the same crowd but pay the bands 15% of what they were paying proper bands so economic decision it'd be interesting to debate uh, the uh, phenomenon of uh, tribute bands but if you go and get Chuck Klosterman's book I think it's in Sex, Drugs and Cocoa Puffs he does a brilliant bit about uh, the the uh, Guns N' Roses tribute band is on the on the road with them. I mean, brilliant, Chuck Closterman. Get the audio book of it because it's just great. But uh, you know, there's no point in us debating it if Closterman's already covered it. it? <laughs> At the top floor of the venue, um, there's a little bar that they used to do. It was mostly sort of uh, mostly sort of heavier stuff, grunge stuff, some sort of poppy seventy stuff as well. But they do um, the, the guy up there was called uh, DJ Future Legend. <laughs> and I used to laugh at me. But, you know, arguably, the fact that I'm talking about him now... Prophetic. ...means that he is, you know, he has achieved legendary status. I talked about him. Yeah, I used to go up and ask him to play um, Bring the Noise with Public Enemy and Anthrax, because it was a great sort of uh, track to listen to in a club. And, like, every, I'd, it would be a thing where I'd go up and ask him, and he'd sort of nod at me as if he was going to do it. And I'd go up again, like, half an hour, and he'd go, and he'd sort of, like hold up like four fingers or three fingers if say you know four songs to go through and I'd like wait and he just wouldn't and nah. I'd sort of forget and every couple of months would go up again and we'd just like dance the same dance and I've realised now he probably never owned a record but just tell me that nah. right? but you know don't just sort of he don't want you, know, you to go home does he in a sulk no he knows I, I walk 
this is not South London related, yeah, but um, I did reference earlier uh, the Jay Z song Empire State of Mind, and uh, my friend Andy is a DJ, and someone came up to him to request uh, Jay Z Empire of the State. <laughs> it opened as the New Cross Kinema, Steve. What is with that spelling cinema with a K? Yeah, I don't know. Because it, um... it was a cinema, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the Kinema, then it was the <clears throat> Galmont, then the Harp Club, then the venue. A friend of a friend who I think lives in New Cross is in a tribute band called Proxy Music, which is perfect, Got isn't it? Yeah. But funnily, he works at, uh, I don't know if he's Brian Ferry or who he is, but <laughs> he works at Waterstones, so that's the kind of uh, link. But um, I was reading, um, you know Mojo, they do, at the end of the year, they do the best thing I've heard all year. Okay. And uh, lots of people talk about the best albums, the best books they've read, the best shows they've been to. And Kevin Rowland was talking about seeing proxy music. <laughs> and he was like, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was rubbish, obviously. <laughs> but it just, it reminded him of how great Brian Ferry was. Yeah. In comparison to. But like, imagine that, man, getting referenced by Kevin Rowland in yeah. Mojo. If Kevin Rowland. Just seeing Kevin Rowland in the crowd, you know. If Kevin Rowland ever wants to do a negative review of Southland Hardcore, he's more yeah. than welcome. He has no view of the history of New Cross. It seems, just looking over it, it seems very similar to um, The Elephant and Castle, in that you've got... Yeah, I know it's actually. Yeah, there's a sort of a lot of parallels where you've got a traditional name for the village, Newington in the case of The Elephant and Castle, and Hatcham was the, the name of the, the village around here. And then a pub opens... And with the Elephant and Castle, I could sort of see the appeal. It's such an odd, unusual name that you could sort of see people wanting to use it a lot. But in this area, you had Hatcham. There was a pub called the Golden Cross. Mm. And another pub opens called the New Cross. And suddenly, people are talking about this. I don't know how great this pub was. It must have been amazing. Because people are talking about it so much that it defines the area. Mm. Yeah, I like to think that uh, this Golden Cross was like, you know, the band Justice? When they do their live show, they have a big, lit up (laughs) cross. I'd like to think of something like that, man. I think they should make an effort to just put a massive cross up where it once was. Like the Colossus of Rhodes, man. Just make it (laughs) one of the wonders of the world. Big, solid gold cross. What I was at school on uh, Friday, uh, one of the mums, right, mixed race, right, very hot. (laughs) She has like a hair kind of always over to one side, you know, kind of. I think it's kind of cut short on the other side, maybe like kind of like Rihanna type of look, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but she had this massive gold cross, one gold cross earring. It was <laughs> such a wicked look. Yeah, yeah. It was like a black leather jacket. Yeah, it was badass. <laughs> yeah, the name New Cross came to find the area so much that even though there were two railway stations open up in close proximity... They called them both New Cross. <laughs> it's like, how strong is this brand? How strong? The pub must be loving it. I mean, it's gone now, but it's well, it's New Cross House, isn't it? It's oh, is the... that the that's the New same. Cross House? Is the I'm not sure if it, if the building is the same, but that's right, okay. the uh, equivalent spot. Okay. More on New Cross House later. But yeah, so they open up one railway station. They go, this is New Cross. That's fine. You sort of go, okay, fine. Open up another railway station. This is also New Cross. And even now, I think with New Cross and New Cross, there's still elements of confusion, isn't there? I've I've got on the wrong train. <laughs> uh, eventually, uh, New Cross Gate becomes New Cross Gate because there's a toll gate nearby. Oh, is that why? History lesson over. History lesson. <laughs> Business hours are over. <laughs> Obviously, cut that out. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, 
Where do you want to go from here, Steve? Um, should I say that similarly to Elephant Castle, you get the area sort of defined? Yeah, by... yeah. Yeah. Okay. And in a similar manner to the Elephant Castle, once the name of the pub overtakes the area, the area sort of becomes synonymous with socialising, and from that comes a huge sort of cultural uh, cachet and people move to the area. It seems to like draw people in, but and particularly creative people and performers. There's just a, a wonderful list of people who have come from the area, been associated with the area, moved into the area, or just... I came across so many sort of snippets of people who just spent moments or periods in... Uh, Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse? Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is going to be amazing. You know Danger Mouse... Um... From Niles Barkley. I thought you meant the cartoon. Nah! <laughs> <laughs> That's where I went initially. He was a barman in New Cross. In, I think it was a barman in London Bridge, but he lived in New Cross, oh, right. which just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Was that the guy whose uh, payslip you found behind the sofa? <laughs> Imagine That'd be that. Incredible. That it? would have been. Oh, that would have been amazing. I shouldn't have thrown it away. eBay? That was 2008, though, so Niles Barkley were already massive. <laughs> <laughs> that was well after the Grey album. <laughs> you'd be looking at the face of it going nice Barton got paid a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is its legacy I think when people kind of if you know if you don't live in New Cross oh god there's a guy just walking past the, the front door with uh, this is why I love New Cross he's got an ironic moustache and a Dexter's <laughs> Midnight Runner's stevedore hat <laughs> that he just walked past, our, past the front window this is what we're talking about the street theatre that is just endemic to the I was area in, now Oh, right. Let me just get I the used telephone. the word endemic. I mean, that was... Hello? Hello? Joyce? Are you calling from Jamaica? Uh, Lakeisha's not here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm well. Are you having a nice time? Oh, lovely. That's very nice. Oh, okay. All right, Joyce. I'll, um... Okay, I'll let them know you called, yeah? Okay. Alright, see you later, Joyce. Take care, bye. Never spoke to someone in Jamaica before. Yeah, I was in uh, the sweet shop, which is on Telegraph Hill, Gelatly stores. It's quite good, man. They kind of got the oyster, Steve. Oh, yeah. They've got vegetables that are not rotten, which is nice for a sweet shop. And there was a guy in there, I mean, fair enough, right? It's a fair enough debate to have quietly in your own home. But when you're kind of clearly broadcasting it to anyone that might be listening in the sweet shop, it's annoying. Talking about how feminism can't exist in a commune. Like, shut up, man. I'm trying to, just trying to get some polos. <laughs> but that's what, that's, that's what I was trying to say earlier about... Um, that's New Cross. That's yeah, a this, typical yeah. New Cross exchange. Yeah, it's it's a bit like it's a transpontine shortage, isn't it? In a way, <laughs> well, you've got it's quite interesting the sort of what's around now in terms of community action, and there is a sort of real sense of community around here. You've got um, is it, uh, London, in particular, sold the uh, New Cross is better than New York bags, and I quite like that sort of hyper local. Uh, mm. More yeah. on the uh, London particular later. Okay. Keep talking about later. You know, stay tuned. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this idea of there's a real sort of sense of pride about the area and people seem concerned about, you know, there's a lot of community action in terms of uh, New Cross Library um, and the New Cross Federation, who I know you don't necessarily agree with their aims, but I think it's interesting and I think it's positive that you've got local people prepared to sort of stand up against uh, corporations and companies. 
Yeah, I mean, to clarify, just because you've dropped me in it there, Steve, <laughs> um, I should have done a bit more research on the New Cross Federation, have you? No, I know. Well, but I don't, you've got these signs up, right? And it does, it feeds into what I was just saying, actually. Yeah. Um, where it says we don't want another Sainsbury's. We've already got two Sainsbury's. We haven't got two Sainsbury's. A petrol station Sainsbury's next to a Sainsbury's. There's not two Sainsbury's, is it? Like, behave yourself. It's one Sainsbury's, isn't it? It's one Sainsbury's. Yeah. We've got, you know, we've already got two Sainsbury's. We don't want any more Sainsbury's in New Cross. We don't want any more chains in New Cross, right? Right, there's a new place called The Allotment, which is, um, well, I'll say for new, fairly new, right near the New Cross house, actually. And they do, like, presumably locally sourced, they do veg and stuff and chutney and everything. Great, yeah, I haven't been there because I don't really have that kind of... I don't really have sort of uh, chutney money, yeah. But, you know, I mean, you know, great. I'm glad that people are doing that. But the trouble is, you, they, people push this idea that small businesses... Are, uh, you know, it's great for everyone if small businesses are thriving. But realistically, these people are trying to get rich off you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You go around, they're fleecing you. You've got two options. You have a play... <laughs> like, say you got Lordship Lane, right? Say, do you know the East Dulwich Deli in Lordship Lane? Yeah, yeah. It is insane how much it costs. It's like a joke, the, the prices of stuff. They like pick up like a little sausage roll and it's like three quid or something. Yeah. Um, so you've got that and you've got the other end where you got you go to a sweet shop and you buy garlic and you chop it up and it's green inside. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's either rotten or it's overpriced. Like we need supermarkets in the end of the day. Like it's not an appalling system having supermarkets. Yeah, they shouldn't be wasting. Yeah, like we don't, you know sell local they, you know if, if there's two packets of strawberries and one is kind of fairly local and one is from the other side of the world get the one that's local that's better but you know there's a self-preservation behind a lot of this this new cross federation i'm not involved in it it's a load of people that own shops yeah, that want you to buy their stuff yeah. I say I don't necessarily agree with the aims of Newcastle. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's good to... It's, it's sort of a very typical thing in there like this where there is a lot of community action, community spirit. I think it's overall uh, a positive thing. Well, going back to what you were saying about uh, it being a place for kind of nightlife, that really is its legacy, I think, or what it's almost what it's known for now. You know, if people are travelling into Newcastle, um, you know, people who don't live in Newcastle or locally mostly would know it because they've been to the Amersham Arms or, you know, somewhere like that where there is isn't there is a kind of a, a nightlife and not just, you know, the fact that things are open late. So like the Hobgoblin, which I really like, and um, and the Amersham Arms, the Walpole, um, they are open very late and that's great. Just being able to go somewhere that's not closed at like 11 o'clock is brilliant. You know, it's kind of a ridiculous thing about London, the licensing laws, but probably come into that, come back to that another show. But yeah, there are things going on, you know, there's film nights and open mic nights and bands playing and stuff. Um, and I think that's tied into the fact that you've got Goldsmiths there, which yeah, so you've definitely. got a, a creative community in place and then you'll have places around that that will sort of feed into it. And obviously one of the sort of legendary venues of New Cross, the Goldsmiths Tavern, where, you know, in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, they'd run these alternative cabarets where... You had like Julian Clary performing regularly. You know, as far as I understand it, it's the place where Vic Reeves met Bob Mortimer. Vic Reeves would perform on his own. Bob Mortimer was uh, a solicitor at the time who just went along mm. and was in the crowd and started to just interact. Oh, right. I didn't realise that was there. I'd heard that story yeah. before. And if you'd never had that, you'd never have had Little Britain. <laughs> you can uh, trace it. But I mean, for me... Uh, 
for a long time, I've still got a huge amount of affection for that, but for a long time I was obsessed with the comedy of it, Reasonable Morton, and it was a hugely important part of my life, and I just loved it so much. And the idea that that relationship was born, because they're both, obviously, neither of them are uh, local men. Well, Bob Mortimer lives in Campbell, doesn't he? But, I mean, but, I mean he's, he's, he's uh, from North yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Neither of them are, are from South London, but the idea that, I like the idea of New Cross being a place where these things happen. Mm. And as I say, the more you sort of delve into it, the more you realise it's got this odd sort of history of... Mm, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can do when you're in New Cross. <laughs> But yeah, it's just a place where performance and performers seem to be drawn and things happen. I mean, just even little things like, um, a, you know, there's an excerpt from uh, Keith Richards' autobiography where he's not a local boy. He's not from New Cross. But New Cross is where he smokes his first cigarette. He was waiting at New Cross Station and his granddad gave him a cigarette to smoke. Oh, wow. So, in a way, there's, you know... You know, a, a part of the Keith Richards mythos yeah. was born in South London. If that had happened, you'd never have had Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> so yeah, Goldsmiths University. That's kind of uh, I don't know. I could be wrong, but that seems to be the kind of key thing. Probably should mention Campbell College of Art as well. Obviously, it's in Campbell. But the fact that the close proximity... Very much so, yeah. You'd have people from Camberwell heading into New Cross. To yeah, there's an overlap. The same like, places, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're kind of going to Camberwell College of Art, living in New Cross is probably, uh, you know, it's quite a popular... Uh, yeah. And as I say, the same venues that would appeal to people who are going to Goldsmiths would appeal to people uh, going to Camberwell. And when you look at the sort of alumni from Goldsmiths, it is creative people who, you know have shaped things in so many sort of significant ways you musically um you know blur obviously formed while they were there john kell from the velvet underground mm. uh, went there malcolm mclaren um studied there and as you said in the previous show mclaren spent, studied everywhere yeah spent there. a few years basically trying around but uh i read a great story about while he was at goldsmiths um it was almost like the birth of the mclaren persona that you you, you we know best um he, he set up or pretended to set up a music festival and promoted it and told everyone that he'd booked uh, Pink Floyd, uh, the Rolling Stones and John Lennon. And obviously hadn't booked any of them. They, he got some people to turn up, but none of those people. Uh, and it was essentially uh, McLaren pulling the fast one, which was pretty much... His role in uh, the Sex Pistols, great rock and roll swindle. Exactly, yeah. This is the thing, um, and even sort of Neil Innes from the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band and the Ruttles, which you know isn't mainstream uh, British music, but so influential. Yeah. So yeah, just having all these different sort of strands of of, of music associated with Goldsmiths, and then um, you know the the artists that have come out of there: Damien Hirst, Sam Taylor Wood. They, I think, we should. Probably do a whole episode of yeah, we at will. some stage, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's essential to to the kind of area that you've got now. This is what I'm saying about you go to these bars and the clientele that frequent them is a direct result of the university being there. A university with a creative bent and kind of a quite a liberal ethos as well. We've talked before, Steve, about 
um, a genre of music being born in South London. Dubstep. Is that Croydon? That was in Croydon. New rave, yeah? Yeah. New cross. That's it. N-U cross. <laughs> but yeah, the Claxons formed here. But were they the only band in New Rave? Um, well, no. Hadouken and New Rave, aren't they? I only mentioned it because the singer retweeted me for the second time yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Are they from New Cross? Don't know. Don't I'm related. So. I'm related. No. He's like a Tottenham fan. Records. That's why he retweeted me, because of my uh, at-yids. So... <laughs> But yeah, there's a lot of bands from and associated with Newcross. Um, Steve Harley of Cockney Rebel. Yeah, how did we miss them out of our playlist, we're, man? We're we'll definitely we'll do a volume two yeah. because there's Guitar. too many uh, things that we missed out. That we, we realised almost immediately when people told us. But just looking at things, I mean, um, Cart the Unstoppable Sex Machine wrote a song called "The Only Living Boy in Newcross" that we completely yeah, that omitted. was the kind of biggest omission, probably yeah, wasn't it? Possibly. Um, Dire Straits. Uh, not, you know, from New Cross, but they formed in the New Cross area. Um, Mary Lloyd, a musical singer, lived in New Cross for a long time. So <laughs> uh, just saying, uh, you, you're, you're laughing because you think I'm obsessed with uh, musicals. With musicals, Steve? Yes. Is there enough of it available to view to make, you know, to do Not to view, but there's talk. audio recordings. Oh, okay. So maybe we could just talk about musical or something. Yeah. Musical we should, special. We're definitely going to do a musical episode, aren't we? Are we not? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I reckon, man. Um, and then more more recently as well, you've got um, Jay Blade, UK hip hop artist. Nah. Okay. He's, yeah, uh, used to work with Mark B. Mark B and Blade did a couple of decent albums. But um, yeah, from New Cross, he used to sell his records just locally. Um, Damage, the awful R and B band. Yeah, this is singer, the thing. Let's, let's a be... singer that went out with uh, one of the Spice Girls, isn't it? Yeah. Da- uh, Jade. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, this, you know, we're just being comprehensive. We're not endorsing damage. Just saying they just happen to come from New Cross. Probably um, the strongest musical legacy of New Cross, and it's quite a bold claim because it is a rich history. Um, the socialist anthem, the Red Flag, was written on a train journey to New Cross. Um, How's it go? It's sung to the tune of um, O Tannenbaum. So it's do 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 do. So it's basically, you know, uh, we'll, and we'll keep oh, the, Christmas tree, yeah, oh, Christmas, Christmas tree, tree, or we'll keep the red flag flying. How lovely are your branches? Yeah, I mean, this is more about the blood of the worker and the folds of the cloth, and yeah, I think we can both identify with, uh, with that, Steve. <laughs> Elements. Um, yeah, it's written by an Irish nationalist called Jim Connell in 1889, and you know, would have been sung across the world in so many different places you know traditionally the Labour Party conference um, either opens or ends or possibly both but it's, it's the anthem of the Labour Party and I think it say, opens with the only living boy in New Cross and, <laughs> and it ends with uh, the red flag but it is yeah it's uh, yeah an incredibly sort of popular song globally um, I can see on your bit of paper Steve you've got Robert Browning right there but he's Telegraph Hill isn't he so we'll have to save him for next week Oh, is he more telegraphing? He, he, is, yeah. he lived on a cottage at the bottom. Okay. Um, well, and also the next one's tenuous. Um, Charles Dickens had uh, rooms in New Cross, but never officially. They were essentially uh, his getaway. Uh, he had his mistress, Nellie Turner, lived in he, uh, um, Nunhead. He had them under his uh, pseudonym, Dirk McGurk. <laughs> Yeah, basically Dickens had a mistress uh, that he kept in Nunhead and he had rooms 
in New Cross so that he could have a reasonable place to stay without being caught overnight in her house. Um, apparently, he died at Nunhead in his mistress's house, but it was his body, body was removed to another place. Well, don't spoil... We've got Nunhead coming up in about a month, so... Let's <laughs> spoil that. I don't know if I can spoil the death of Dickens. <laughs> Dickens is dead. Less famous, um, but an interesting story, Colin Wilson, who wrote The Outsider. Do you know the book? Our book, Camus, you mean? Uh, well, Colin Wilson's book is a sort of study of the archetype of the outsider in literature. It became this hugely sort of influential piece. He's a fascinating character. His sort of reputation was made of that book. And then he sort of spent the next sort of 30, 40 years writing various things about um, parapsychology. And the yeah, I was going to say, you've got um, in your section of Waterstones in the MBS, didn't you have like... Yeah, all his books. Yeah, because, uh, yeah that's yeah. why I've had the name. Okay. Yeah, I, I would routinely make sure all his books model were stock one face out and uh, yeah, just pushed all over the place. And they sold uh, by the bucket load. Lock wreck. Just dropping in these <laughs> uh, industry terms for uh, for those Waterstones alumni listening. Shelf talker. But he lived for a brief amount of time in Newcross and didn't write a great deal of the outsider there, but made a note in his journal that the title The Outsider came to him in New Cross. So, a bit more literary legacy there. So, Millwall used to play in New Cross, didn't they? They or, did. you know, the, the old den, Retronym. <laughs> but we'll talk about Millwall another day, you know, in depth. Obviously, though, the New Cross Stadium, Steve, Speedway. Yeah, there's a big issue there, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I believe it's been knocked down since, isn't it? Yeah. It was a prestigious Speedway uh, track... Notoriously small, known as the frying pan bowl. <laughs> but yes, up until like 1963, it was in a like kind of quite a major speedway venue. In 1954, 26,000 people watched stock car racing there. But um, yeah, in 1948, right? Did you come across this? A film called Once a Jolly Swagman. No. Right. It's a Dirk Bogard film with Sid James in it as well. All right. About a speedway racer. Okay. And. You you can't illegally download it, regrettably. <laughs> but I might buy it, possibly, man. We cover on the show. It's like five quid on Amazon. It's the cheapest I could find it, fiver. But yeah, it's about this uh, dirt bogart plays this um, speedway driver, and there's a clip on YouTube of like what I imagine is probably the final race. But it was really, really good, man. Can I just quickly say dirt McGurk track, and then we can move on? Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> I had uh, to get it out. You know, it's like builds. You're like, yeah. I've got to say this. There's That's no close. way I can't say this. Yeah. So that looked. Uh, I'd like to see Speedway that. was huge, wasn't it? I mean, I, I used to work um, with a guy called Donald, uh, who was a cleaner at Fortnum's, and he um, was obsessed with Speedway. Um, you were obsessed with musical, he was obsessed with Speedway. <laughs> I like to ask what Fortnum's like. People just, you know, <laughs> talk about, oh, the pleasure garden. Eccentric <laughs> characters. Um, a couple of other random performers uh, associated with New Cross. One, arguably not a performer, but there's a performance aspect to it. Um, first one, Mick McManus. Better known, or also known as the rugged South London tough guy. <laughs> Mick McManus was one of the leading heel wrestlers in British wrestling Hello. in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, I used to, I'd go around uh, to my nan and granddad's on Saturday, and my granddad, my nan um, would be vaguely pleased to see us and make us a cup of tea and some cake. My granddad wouldn't uh, acknowledge visitors at all. Irish. Yeah, uh, you just stay in the front room and watch World of Sport. 
wrestling. I had no problem. I go and join him. And uh, his enjoyment of the show was enhanced at that point because he'd basically be watching the show and wouldn't replicate the moves, would just basically get me in a headlock. <laughs> go, <laughs> and um, uh, just sort of scrub at my ears, uh, which I loved. It was great. That's <laughs> nothing but uh, wonderful memories of it. But he, um, he would just watch it uh, and wave his fist. It was, it was uh, uh, a brilliant thing to watch. And yeah, Mimma Madness was, you know, Big Daddy and uh, Giant Haystack was probably the biggest names associated with wrestling time. Mimma Madness was one of the lead um, heel wrestlers. He was a bad guy and he uh, thrived on that reputation. So he'd uh, be the guy with black shorts, black trunks, you know, black And boots. Giant Haystacks was uh, a good guy. No, he's usually a baddie. Actually. Who's the who's the who's the most famous uh, Big good, Daddy? Big Daddy was the good yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, would uh, you know sort of cheat, you know hold people people's hair behind the referee's back, and basically it was just like you know old women at ringside would come over and swing it in with a handbag. It's <laughs> great, great stuff. But um, yeah, um, from New Cross, and uh, still going. I'd like to uh, adopt the nickname Rugged South London Tough Guy if he's not using it anymore, but. You are from South London, Steve. That much is true. Mm, that's all. Another interesting story that I came across. Um, Father Arthur Tooth. He was the Anglican priest for Hatcham in uh, the 1870s. Is that his real name or did he have a chip tooth? That, that was his real name. <laughs> well, that's who you're going. Father, Father Arthur Tooth. He does sound like a out of a Monty Python's ghost, doesn't he? Um, yeah, he was the Anglican priest. Um, and he was prosecuted for ritualistic practices. Which sounds very sinister until you realise it was basically things like the use of incense. Oh, and right. Hymns. He wasn't sacrificing. No, anything. he wasn't doing anything. But, um, yeah. And it, he was warned uh, by the diocese not to do this on various occasions. But he couldn't help himself. And, I don't know, I just love the idea of this guy in New Cross going, no, no, there's got to be a performance aspect. There's no way we're just doing the mass. I definitely want bells and whistles. Hmm. Um, similarly, another... Uh, couple of interesting stories from uh, performers in the area. New Cross Empire, Music Hall and Hall of Varieties in New Cross. Two separate instances of uh, escaped elephants. <laughs> One from 1934, where Thomas Race of Speedwell Street, ironically, you know, given his name, Race and Speedwell, uh, <laughs> 62, walking past New Cross Empire, not even going to show apparently, just walking past it, and an elephant that was uh, outside... Lifted him up and threw him to the ground. <laughs> That's that was some things that could have happened during New Cross in 1934. No more instances till 1951. And this is going to be quite nice for you because I know this is a place uh, you've been to because uh, I've been there with you. Um, a five-year-old elephant escapes from the uh, New Cross Empire, um, runs into the post office because they've got swing doors. That's yeah. perfect for a baby elephant. <laughs> um, at which point, everyone in the queue, mostly pensioners, jump onto the counter and you've got a five-year-old elephant just sort of rampaging around until enough circus hands can get to the post office uh, and capture it. Elephant wranglers. <laughs> Somebody call the elephant wranglers. Uh, yeah, so, you know, this is the legacy of New Cross as a place of performance, you know. Elephants. So I'm sure there's some people listening, Steve, who treat this show as uh, a travel guide. Quite possibly. So if I just quickly reel off my uh, top three New Cross restaurants. I think you should. Number three, yeah. The place where it all began. New Cross House. Right? Formerly the Golden Cross or whatever. You know. <laughs> some kind of link. 
But yeah, they got massive pizza hut them, man. Really nice pizzas. Okay. I had a chocolate and banana calzone from there. It's delicious. You know what calzone is? It's a pizza that's folded up. Yeah. But you have chocolate in it instead of... Uh... So it's a, it's a sweet thing rather than a savory. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get like uh, a decent coffee in there and stuff. You know, you go to the pub and you just have to... You know, if you don't drink alcohol, it's a nightmare. People are like, why don't you have another orange? How much orange do you drink in an evening? Because <laughs> I've had two already. I don't know how many oranges you're supposed to get through, but coffee has a different story. Isn't it? The best time we went to the pub and you tried to order a coffee was uh, Stephen's birthday recently mm. in the borough. Where you asked the guy behind the bar uh, if he was still serving coffee, and he said, No, we stopped serving coffee at nine. And you said, It's eight o'clock. And he said, I meant eight. <laughs> <laughs> and then another woman came behind the bar, and he said to her, Are we still doing coffee? And she went, Yeah. As if it was, as if there was no sort of time limit. The idea that. I don't um, want to make you a coffee. It's just pub, bizarre, though, isn't it? It's like you're a place that serves drinks, ah. uh, and you ask for a drink, and they go, "I oh, know we stopped doing that drink at seven o'clock." Why would you stop doing a drink? It's a machine, man. Yeah, and people go, "Oh, but it takes them long." A Guinness takes long. Mm. Um, Good if you things ever... come to those who wait. But also, if you ever go to a place where they're serving cocktails and all you want is a bottle of beer, it is horrible. It's just a nightmare. You just be... you just begrudge people. You're looking around, going, "Who's ordered that?" Why is he shaving an orange in front of me? And he is. And then he's sort of like, just get, can I have a bottle of... No, I can't. Because you've got to juggle that first. Ridiculous. Make coffee. Number two. The London particular, as you mentioned. I just did. up between New Cross Station and New Cross Gate. You came with us there, Steve. Didn't you? You just had a coffee, I think. The mocha is delicious. So nice, man. But no, I like a, you can get like a brunch bowl, which when, is... When um, did we go there? That's why I'm with Annie and Louis. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to tell that story. Let me just tell what's on the menu, then yeah, you can kind it. of diss them. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, the brunch bowl is like a fry up, but like kind of, uh, you know, kind of chefed up a bit. Okay. You know, with like local sausages and. Uh, How much? Because that sounds like it's going to be twice. It's not, like, no, it's not. It's. it's you wouldn't, you're not going to get it cheaper anywhere else, basically. Okay. It's, I think it's about six fifty. It's quite a decent portion as well. Yeah. When we went, we went there for my. Um, for someone in my family's birthday, I had to get there at like 10 o'clock when it opened on a Saturday morning because you can't book. So I got I had to get the big table out the back, you know, because there's not a lot of space in there. But like there were like seven of us around this table. And I got this uh, this like selection of flatbreads and like with this hummus and other dips. And it was so nice, man. And like the frittata's lovely. Everything's really nice, Steve, but go on. I had a coffee and it was uh, very nice. The only problem was when we went there, um, Annie and Louie were with us who were both vegetarians so they asked about the vegetarian option and the waitress seemed a bit amused I think it's another one what it is is basically they stop serving no the they stay time. yeah they kind of sell out of food right. they, they don't they don't have of... massive stocks yeah. you know it's not McDonald's so the fullback position um, she often she seemed to be sort of like thinking on her feet she said uh, we could do you uh, some salad on toast yeah, and I I wasn't sure. I'm not a vegetarian, so I waited for it to go inside, and I was like, "Is that a thing? Does that happen a lot? Do you get?" I think they got frittata in the end, though, or a tart. I think they did, didn't they? And it was, yeah, it was, it was really nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just seems odd that uh, they sort of went, "Yeah, salad on toast. That's one of our uh, vegetarian options." But as I say, I've never. Had... Well, actually, I think I tasted frittata, and it was very nice. So, yeah, it was delicious, man. Number one, Rayna, R E Y N A, just. Just before you get to um, New Cross Station on that kind of row of shops that's set back a bit, just by the venue, there's a furniture shop there as well that has a sign in the window that says, we sold a, sh- a chair to Damien Hurst. 
and that's just a permanent sign they've got. But yes, because until he brings that chair back, that's true, isn't yeah. it? We refunded a chair to Damien Hurst. <laughs> we apologise to Damien Hurst for a broken chair that he brought. Yeah, it's a Turkish place and quite big. Um, you didn't go, did you? We went past it when we were coming back yeah. from uh, Rotherhive, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I've been a couple of and times. You, you were raving. About yeah, it, it's know. really yeah. nice, right? And you get lo- loads of stuff as well for the money. We last time I went, it was I paid fourteen pounds, right, for this kind of set menu type thing. But we, it was like two hot starters, two cold starters, a main, and like a dessert and coffee and stuff. And it was just a ridiculous amount of food. Too much food. You kind of have to be kind of cautious. Don't order. Don't go mad with your orders. But it's all like kind of kebab type stuff, and you know dips and you know Turkish food. Yeah, but right. like affordable and very very nice and just so much of it if I could just shout out some other restaurants Steve right? the Hobgoblin yeah, which I've already said is a, a pub that I like you, the Thai food there is quite decent especially it's nice to be able to go to a pub and if you're going to a pub to watch football and you don't drink to be able to just get a meal or something rather than just buying a load of peanuts and orange <laughs> but I went there for a roast the other day me and Lakeisha went and uh, remember put up that photograph I've got of me and Lakeisha eating our roasts and it, the present, presentation was great individual gravy boat individual gravy boat the gravy was lovely you know the uh, the vegetables were really nice but frozen roast potatoes you know the cauliflower cheese was a little bit soft is that not that pro I mean it's quite yeah. again it's not expensive considering how much you'd have to pay for a roast elsewhere but elsewhere they've roasted potatoes you'd hope so yeah um and the pork just wasn't all that. It was disappointing. And I went to the Walpole once as well for a roast, which is as good as a pub, but it's just like frozen vegetables, which is completely unacceptable for seven quid. We went to a pub before in uh, Lambeth North, remember? And they had the space upstairs, they had the football on. Oh, yeah, cur- uh, the cur- cushion and curtain or something. That's it. It's the so pin nice. and cushion. But they have like a Thai restaurant upstairs, didn't they? And we were set upstairs because it was uh, busy downstairs. Empty upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> packed downstairs so we asked you know what the deal was and basically we worked out if we could order Thai food and make it last for it's not even 90 minutes you've got to allow for half time they'd let us sit upstairs but also there's just no way you can do you just by the last 10 minutes you're just sitting over a cold plate of food aren't you no they said well yeah that you can't unless everyone orders a main dish and we won't let you up there so we've never been back since have we <laughs> go to thing innit Namco yeah it's great don't tell people to go there though because then it'd be packed oh, yeah. cut out also the Ottoman Grill uh, which is uh, kind of opposite New Cross House it's a takeaway kebab where you can eat in as well but like kind of an upmarket kebab type thing it's the garlic prawns were so nice I had a garlic prawn starter the only thing is if you order rice man try and get a large rice or two rices because it's not enough to share last one Steve kebab shop down at the beginning of New Cross Road Kind of just around the corner from the post office, Alanya. Really nice. So, just standard. Just a standard yeah, kebab shop, but, but there's nice. a, we'd been going to another kebab shop around the corner for several years, and then I ended up in there, and it was better. And again, with Chinese, right? It's like Uncle Wrinkle. It's not bad, but the sorry, what's it called? Uncle Wrinkle. Okay. But there's a Chinese <laughs> in uh, Nunhead called um, Auntie Crease. What's it called, man? Palace, it's called. And they deliver it to New Cross. So just go there, man. It's better. Hong Kong Palace? No, just Palace. Not that one down the road. That oh, kind okay. of, uh... Yeah, because I've heard of. So thanks for listening. Uh, we've got Telegraph Hill coming up. Nunhead. 
It's another music episode. Delve into our back catalogue. Go to southlondonhardcore.com, click episodes, top left-hand side, and you'll be able to see what we've done previously. Dig someone out. Find something for yourself or for somebody you know. Subscribe on iTunes, yeah. Get us on uh, Twitter, Steve. At SOHC Podcast. Get us on Twitter, Steve. At SOHC Podcast. Email us, southlondonhardcore at gmail.com. Keep an eye on the website. I'll be putting up uh, videos that are too small to see. Uh, links that may or may not work. No, don't work. Don't work. It's all good. It's gold. Uh, yeah. Um, we better stop now, Steve, because I need to rush to my nans. So, good night. Good night.